Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey guys, it's Erin Carey, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you have probably heard me talk about vitamin D and how important it is for our entire health and well-being. Well, that is why I am excited to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Amp. Human. Amp Human is spelled A M P H U M A N. Now they have this vitamin D plus lotion that is first of its kind gel based lotion. It delivers vitamin D directly through your skin. Now, if you're like me, I'm not a huge fan of going outside in the icy cold weather. And so I'm not getting as much sun as I typically do when the weather's a little bit warmer. So this is a really important time to supplement with vitamin D. This formula is amazing with just two pumps applied to the inner forearm. It contains 5,000 IU of vitamin D3 that boosts your immunity, improves sleep quality, and supports brain function. And it is backed by clinical trials too, actually. It's proven to triple your vitamin D levels within three to four months of daily use. Now, I've just been using this stuff for a short time, and I'll tell you, I'm already noticing a difference in my sleep quality and in my general well-being and mood. So say goodbye to pills, say hello to this vitamin D plus lotion. It is the easiest way to do vitamin D. So to get 15% off the vitamin D plus lotion today, visit amphuman.com slash wholeness and use the code wholeness15. I'm going to read that for you one more time. Amphuman.com slash wholeness. Use the code wholeness15. Now let's get right into today's episode. Today, we are going to be digging into all things inflammation, and I am speaking with Dr. Mark Sherwood. He is a naturopathic doctor on a mission to help you achieve wellness in every area of your life. Dr. Mark and his wife, Michelle L. Neal Sherwood, DO, have a successful medical practice called the Functional Medical Institute. They also have a television and radio program, movies, including Fork Your Diet and The Prayer List, and they have books, The Quest for Wellness, Fork Your Diet, Surviving the Garden of Eaton. They also provide nutrition plans, fitness instructional videos, helpful mental and emotional steps to provide relief from stress and to help people form better habits so that they can live well. Dr. Mark is a former Oklahoma State Go Pokes and regional bodybuilding champion, ex-professional baseball player, and a 24-year retired veteran of the Tulsa Police Department, where he logged a decade of courageous service on the department's SWAT team. Dr. Mark's passion for wellness motivated him to develop several wellness-based courses, which he teaches to law enforcement professionals, corporations, and churches throughout the U.S. and worldwide. He firmly believes that each person has an awesome destiny and purpose in life, which can be revealed only through the pursuit of total wellness. So thank you so much for being on the show. 
Aaron, I'm so honored to be here. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, I'm just fascinated. I got to start off by saying I'm just fascinated by your background. You have done a whole lot of things. So maybe you can give a little bit of information as to why you kind of went in the direction you went now being a naturopathic doctor coming from the police department. I mean, there's just a lot there. So maybe you can explain that real quickly. Yeah, it is a varied background, and I've been very blessed to uh, see a lot of things and do a lot of things, of course. And uh, with that said, very interestingly enough, you know, my job on the police department at those times for two and a half decades nearly was to protect and serve. Well, my job now is still to protect and serve. I protect people from themselves and serve the world to create a safety net for them because I don't like... Uh, what the world has done to people. The world is like almost committing a crime against humanity at this point, if, if you get my drift. And I, I say that because many times in my career, uh, as I developed and did a, many assignments, one of them being in charge of a wellness program that we didn't have. So in that endeavor to figure that out, Aaron, I was trying to determine, you know, kind of what caused men and women to get into this career and be in the best condition of their life. And then throughout the career, regress to the worst condition of their life where they retired and died. And that broke my heart. I mean, what are we doing and what happened? And so that really got me started on this, um, this quest to determine how we can basically extend what I like to call health span, not just lifespan, but health span, because people need to have the opportunity to live better. And if you have the opportunity to retire, why shouldn't you get to enjoy it? And so all that said, it, it just, um, it created a passion and fire within me that I, I, I can't hide as, as our listeners will understand. I just want to see people have a better life and really have an optimum opportunity to have this health span increase. Yes, I I love that. I totally agree. I think that it's important to have a quality of life as opposed to just, oh, let's just live longer, you know, Um, because so many people, sure, we've got a lot of really great tools in our modern day lifestyle, but for many of us, it's leading to a lot of chronic conditions, which is what we're going to get into today, because I think at the root of most of our chronic diseases, chronic illnesses is this thing called inflammation, right? So maybe you can, we can just start off with inflammation. What is it? What does it mean when we say that? Because it's being passed around a lot, especially right now in this COVID world where we're talking about underlying conditions and and all of that. So what is inflammation? So let's break it down to understand what inflammation is in a way that everybody understands. First of all, inflammation is not bad. It's actually wonderful. It's how we initiate the healing process. Everybody has experienced inflammation when I talk about a bruise where you have swelling, you have immobility, you might have redness, and you might have heat. Those are all elements of a proper inflammatory response. So From an inflammatory response, look at it like a fire department. A fire department is waiting there, and they're like your immune system looking for an emergency. And once they're signaled to the emergency, uh, they will respond and go to the fire and put up the fire. Once they put up the fire, they will return back to the firehouse, clean their equipment, and prepare and ready themselves for the next one. Now, that would be acute inflammation or this inflammation that responds to a threat or to this impending danger. And you want your inflammation response to be very aggressive, to go out there and get it, deal with it, hit it hard, and then get back and regroup. 
as opposed and compared to chronic inflammation, which same scenario, fire department goes out there and they're called to a fire. Before they get back to the firehouse to repair and get ready for the next one, they get called for another one and another one and another one. You get the idea. And before long, they are worn out. They are broken down, beat down, exhausted, and there's too many fires for them to put out. Much like happens in our body, when our system is so overregulated with chronic threats, invaders, pathogens, which can be bacteria or viruses that are coming at it chronically, the system loses its tolerance to defend itself anymore. And this is why, in a nutshell, Aaron, is here we are in 2021, that we've talked about this many times, where older people have more um, potential morbidities with this coronavirus situation, they've had that because their tolerance bucket has been drained down as compared to the younger population and even athletes. You don't hear about young people and athletes dying, but you do hear about older people dying. So we need to take really um, a fresh perspective of looking at inflammation in a different way, maintaining proper response and not just trying to turn it off because turning it off can be the wrong thing at the wrong time if, if we really understand the way it's properly functioning in our bodies. That's good. Yeah, I really like that analogy of the fire department and our body constantly trying to put out these fires. And, and it's true. There are a lot of stressors going on that's creating, that's wreaking havoc. So let's talk about that. What, what are these things that are driving this inflammatory response in our bodies? Well, if we really understand what I'm getting ready to say, and I want people to really write this down and pay attention, listen to it over and over again, if you have to, there are many things that we do that overwhelm our inflammatory process. And these things can be changed and they need to change right now. First of all, the number one thing we can do is stop putting inflammatory foods in our mouths. And those inflammatory foods, we have to eat to live, but we're not putting good food in. We're not even putting food in anymore. And frankly, our, our government and our world's not done a good job of communicating this. We're not talking prevention, and that's, to me, uh, disgusting. We need to stop that. So here are a list of the inflammatory foods, and I'll give a list of the anti-inflammatory foods. Will. Inflammatory foods would be consistent with processed foods. They'd be consistent with sodas, fried foods, MSG. Um, any sort of um, grains and breads and sugars, the way they're created today. And, and again, I, you know, people can debate that all they want. The bottom line is grains and breads, the way they're prepared today are horrible for you. Um, corn, soy, got to be avoided. Um, those things, avoid those things, even dairy. If you can avoid that and keep that limited respectively with all others, get them out of there. That will eliminate a lot of the, uh, ingested inflammation, as I like to call it. Now, there's anti-inflammatories, again, generally speaking, that are going to be fruits, vegetables, uh, good sourced fats, which would be like avocados, coconut, maybe macadamia, things like that. Good. Um, and then good source proteins, buzzwords, organic, grass-fed, grass-finished, free-range, hormone, antibiotic-free, wild caught. Those things, if we just really do that right there, because the majority of our inflammatory burden is created, Aaron, by what we put in our mouths. Now, with that said, we need to move more and sit less. That means get outside, get some sunlight. I don't care how cold it is. Get out there and put some clothes on. 
get busy and move more, sit less. Americanized lifestyle is overly sedentary. We need to move. Um, the third thing I think people can do is really um, learn to de-stress more or manage the stress. Stop listening to the constant barrage of media. Fear will weaken the immune system. We need to really understand that. Fear crushes our body's ability to respond. When we live in fear, the body goes to this survival mode. It's just trying to survive, you know, a lion trying to eat you or a bear trying to chase you down. The energy of the body goes away from fighting diseases, away from fighting pathogens and bacteria and to the chronic threat. So we've got to get away from that. I say when people can limit the media to 20 minutes a day, all of it, except for this podcast, of course, that would be a good thing, right? Um, the next thing we got to do is we got to sleep. Uh, we're not sleeping enough. Sleeping is not a waste of time. I talked to all of my entrepreneurs that are very successful. You got to sleep seven to eight hours is optimal every night. If you get to 40 years old, you have to take melatonin sometimes because you produce less. Just remember that you can't overdose in that. Do what you got to do to get sleep and work on good sleep hygiene, which is eliminating TV, computer, cell phone. You know, we got to get some blue blocking glasses going on. And I think another thing that people can do really is to is to practice goodwill. Do something good for somebody else every day without expecting anything back. And that can be as simple as just, you know, sending somebody a text message to say, I appreciate you. I'm thinking for you. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Do that and expect zero back. If you can do those five things right there and, and write those down every day and do something every day to really stack into the habits of making those five things part of your life, without question, we'll see a reduction in inflammation, which in turn does what? That gives your body ability, again, to build up the immune tolerance, build up the powerful, wonderful, God-given inflammatory response, and we will crush these pathogens as we've done for centuries and eons before us because viruses will be around from the beginning they have been around from the beginning of time they'll continue to be around and it's our job not to run from them our job is to respond to them in a powerful way that our bodies are capable of doing very 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 well uh, yes, 100% agree. <laughs> and I think creating resistance is such an important topic to discuss with all of these things, right? And you mentioned how it's not just physical, like what we put, it's not just about the food. It's about so much more than that. And I think that that's something that's really important for people to understand that it's a beautiful design, right? Like how it's all connected and how, what we think impacts how we digest and, and all of that. But we have to be able to understand what are these triggers and how are we addressing them before we can really, you know, be well, be well, you know, we can try to beat ourselves over the head with eat better, you know, move more, but unless we understand how all these things tie together, we might not make any progress. So I, I really appreciate you painting that picture because I think that's really helpful and it gets me fired up. So I love it. So I'd love to talk a little bit real fast about the connection how, or where does gut health, because we talk about gut health a lot on the show, because I love going into the gut brain connection, all of that. So where does gut health tie into inflammation and how, do, how are they intertwined? 
Well, the gut is considered the second brain, but I would say maybe we should consider it the first brain, considering the fact that the gut sends multiple more messages per capita from the gut to the brain than the brain sends to the gut. The bottom line is with the gut, the gut has to, it's your, it's really your first, the gut is kind of from the, from the mouth to the anus. If you look at it. it's a closed tube system and everything that comes in the mouth is not really in the body, technically speaking. So it has to go through this initial um, barrier sort of analysis, if you will, and kind of look at it like this. If something comes in the mouth, the body has to assess it. Are you friend? Are you foe? Have I seen you before? Can I tolerate you? And if your friend, what's in you that is good and what's in you that is waste? And the gut has to do all of them processing. And it's fascinating because the gut is consistent with a lot of bacteria and the bacteria encapsulize a hundred times more DNA than human DNA. So I would ask the question for our listeners, are we more bacteria or bug or are we more <laughs> human? I would suggest that we probably are more bacteria and we've learned to live in a symbiotic relationship with all these bacteria. If our gut is messed up and one of the philosophies that you would see within the naturopathic community is all disease begins in the gut. And I would concur with that because when the gut is not functioning properly, for example, we can't produce serotonin and serotonin is a very interesting neurotransmitter or a brain sort of signal that keeps us from being depressed. So if we have bad gut health, we're going to be, technically speaking, depressed. And serotonin is required to make melatonin. Now, who knew? So if we, can't, if we can't sleep and we're depressed, what's going to happen to our weight? Our weight's going to go up. Yep. Further, if our gut is exposed to things that are inflammatory, but back to that discussion we just had, the body will try to respond to that with the very first barrier. That's going to be your secretory IgA, which is your first sort of immunoglobulin or your first immune response to that. And if that gets wore down, that becomes a barrier that gets broken and things begin to get inside of you. The more they get inside of you, they begin to not just affect you, but they begin to infect you. And that creates more of a burden on your system. So the gut has to be considered with all things. You know, what are you putting in your mouth that's going in the gut? Because the body has to sort of look at food as information. You know, if you look at food as this pile of information, and I do this, what kind of information am I putting in my body right now? Am I putting good information or am I putting garbage? And you do really become what you eat. And it affects not only what becomes of your body, but it becomes part of the neurochemistry of your brain and it affects everything you do. It affects your demeanor, your outlook, not just your looks, but really what you, your outlook is in life. And that's a, a big subject, big answer to a short question, but people need to really understand and not take for granted the gut at all. Treat it with dignity and and care because it has to really process the makings of life for you. Remember, one more little tidbit is the, the body's immune system operates from this bucket of fuel, I call it, you know, those necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids. And if you're not bringing those in, the gut's not able to extract those properly and, and through the help of the um, bloodstream, transport those where they need to go. Look, we are not going to have enough fuel to run the systems of our body. Therefore, our systems biology becomes an utter failure.
So it all ties together systemically. And with that said, take special care back to point number one, put real food in your mouth. Yes. I love that you, yeah, I, again, I'm, totally tracking with this. And I hope the listeners are as well, because I feel like this is so valuable, especially right now. And it's interesting that you mentioned the, the secretary IGA, I, I think is what you called it, because I recently yes. did some extensive, I've been working on my gut for <laughs> over six years now. And I did some extensive testing just to see where I was, see how I'm doing. And that is an area where I am very much lacking is my secretary IGA. And it's my, it's my defense system. It's my immune system yeah. being worn down over time. And I think that could be from a lot of things. It could be, and maybe we could talk about what breaks down the immune system, but I know yeah. for me, you know, pesticides over time, lots of processed foods as a child, lots of antibiotics, lots of antibiotics, <laughs> um, lots of other things that have just kind of worn my system down. And so maybe that would be a good question. What are these things that are, we think are good things or things that are, are helping us that maybe long-term could be working against us? What's well, fascinating, and you nailed a few of them right there, Aaron, when you talk about this, is, you know, when you talk about the gut, in a sense, it has to do all the things we just previously spoke about. But when nutrients are extracted, they have to be sort of translocated across this membrane, a barrier from the inside of us, if you will, to the really inside of us. And if that barrier is broken, that would be like the tight junctions of the barrier. In other words, the junctions would be kind of like, you know, if you put your hands together, there still would be a gap of, of space between the two hands. But if the junctions were wide open, maybe a better way to explain it would be like um, a toll booth, like on a toll road. If the toll booth person wasn't stopping all the cars, they would just flow on through and your immune system would be like the, the highway patrol trying to stop everybody. And it would be completely overwhelmed at that point. And that would be like the first line barrier of your secretory IGA trying to stop everything. But what tears those toll booths apart over the course of time, you can measure that on lab work with the increase of a protein called zonulin. So that's something that people could, could ask their perhaps practitioner to measure. But the bottom line is here are some things that tear it apart. The pesticides, which are going to be glyphosate and atrazine ingredients within the well-known Roundup product. Those will rip apart that tight junction and destroy the immune system. And those are tied squarely, they're increased use with autoimmunity. Uh, and they're tied squarely with increased rates of autism. I mean, this is not a coincidence. We see also a lot of compounds that are found um, within uh, uh, those foods as well, like the, the proteins, like the glutens, the gliadins of the world. The body doesn't like those things the way they have been process. And this will blow our minds too, because when those glutens and gliadins and even some of the proteins within the dairy, the casein protein, those things have been genetically modified just enough. This is why I have people have a hard time getting rid of them, even though they're not good for us. And they'll tear apart those junctions, just like they're doing, they did in your life. Um, they create these exorphins, E-X-O-R-P-H-I-N-S, that are these morphine-like compounds in the gut that bind to our opioid receptors in our brain and make them very addicting. And so that's why, you know, restaurants will serve you chips and they'll <laughs> serve you rolls because it is addicting. You come back and they do make you feel good temporarily, but they will destroy. And I use that word destroy 
purposely. They'll destroy your gut, destroy your life, destroy your immune system over time. And that's why America in particular, and even the world is suffering right now in 2021 still because of this great stupid decision called the food pyramid, eat six eleven services, and that perpetuated this processed food increase. And of course, you mentioned the chronic use of antibiotics. I mean, America uses 75% of the world's antibiotics that are used in our cattle for the most part. And when we eat the stuff, you do become what you eat eats and you do become what you eat is given. And, and you get those in your system, even when you're talking about farm-raised salmon. And salmon supposed to be good, right? But farm-raised salmon's full of antibiotics. Yeah. And so the more we do this, the more discuss, discovers, you know, this destructive process in our gut microbiome, which contributes this idea of what you're talking, a reduced immune tolerance over time. And it takes years and years to break that down. We don't have immediate consequences typically when we ingest those things. And that's the problem. When I was in school and I made a bad grade, I got immediate feedback. You know, you don't (laughs) get an immediate feedback because as my wife, Dr. Michelle likes to say, the gut has no voice and the gut uh, can't scream at you. If If it did, it would be screaming deafening pitch tones to us as a world saying, stop doing this insanity to me. Yeah. You know what? That's such a good point to make too, because I think that so many times our bodies are screaming out, but we just put on a bandaid, you know, we just Mm -hmm. resort to bandaid solutions instead of going, what is my body actually telling me what is actually going on? And I think when we're talking about COVID and we're hearing these stories, oh, he was young and really healthy and he exercised. I don't know why, you know, his body went downhill so fast like this because he was healthy, but we don't really understand that what we think is healthy on the inside isn't always healthy on the inside you know, along the lines of gut health or, um, what are, what are people's C-reactive protein levels? You know, all of these things that test our inflammatory markers and we don't know, we can't see that from the outside. And so I think that that's an important point to make is that we want to do these healthy things for our gut or go on these diet plans or fitness plans or whatever it is expecting a really quick fix, but it takes yeah. a long time to clean up what has happened over a lifetime. Right. It does. And that's a very good point to bring up too. And, it, and again, we need, um, it's important to say this, we need acute care medicine. That's not a bad thing. But the point being is it is sort of this pill for an ill sort of mentality. If you have this symptom or this group of symptoms, we stop the symptoms. And if we stop the system symptoms, you're out of the office, you're out of the hospital and you're good to go. But that has translated into this idea as it pertains to this um, this lifestyle, that we can also take a pill and fix that. And that's simply not true. Lifestyle is accumulation. It's accumulative over time. And as time progresses, we can either build it up or we can tear it down. And the body is no different than maybe a, um, a classic car. You know, when you get a classic car, let's say it was uh, put together in 1964, uh, uh, like my classic car, I like to say, was put together in 64, um, that thing will run a long time if it's taken good care of. But if you put it in the backyard and you don't move it, I think we can all picture a rusted down, rusted out jalopy that has no opportunity to run or withstand anything, not even a basic little drip that's dropping on that, you know. And so we got to treat our systems differently and begin to look at it differently, more from a 
an upstream process on the why things go wrong instead of just the uh, idea that when things go wrong, we fix them. And I think a classic example back to the inflammation. If inflammation is looked at as only bad, let's just turn it off. Let's take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Just turn it off. Just turn it off. What do the NSAIDs do to our gut? Exactly what the other things do to our gut that we just briefly talked about. So we can see that even in the acute care system, it has long-term consequences, potentially, that are not positive at all. They're actually quite negative, tearing down our population's ability to increase health span, but instead, perhaps increasing sick span. Yeah. And that also makes me think of, and maybe this is something that you could address because I hear this a lot. Um, There's a lot, there are a lot of misconceptions about taking um, acid reducers, right? Or taking proton pump inhibitors because of heartburn or uh, acid reflux or, you know, any of those uncomfortable symptoms that people experience as they age, really. And maybe you can explain why bodies start to have trouble digesting certain foods as they age and why those might not be the best solution for people? Well, first, they're not at all good long-term solutions. They're very poor, um, negatively condition-associated long-term solutions. So we yeah, think about that, and I'll go into that for a, in, in a moment on why that is. Um, you know, short-term wise, perhaps if you're having acid come back up and it's sort of burning a hole in your esophagus, that's not a good thing. You've got to stop that because that can create long-term uh, problems and potentially even cancers in the area. So we got to think about that. But let's think about the function of the body. Is acid that's produced in the body a good thing? Yes, it is, because it's designed to break things down the more uh, upstream we are here is more acidic compared to downstream becomes more alkaline. So there's a purpose for that. If we don't have acid, we can actually have some um, bacteria come up in the system and grow up in places it's not supposed to go. That'd be characterized by something we would call small intestinal bowel. Think overgrowth, overgrowth, right? Because we don't have the acid to burn it out. Further, if we don't have acid in our body, we can't break down the proteins. So the proteins would go further south again, being in the wrong state, again, perhaps creating more gut inflammation. So again, in a short term, maybe acute window, maybe those things are okay. But we have to understand why is my body um, being over acidic? And that would go back to what we put in our mouth. If we're eating a very acidic processed foods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, diet, we're going to have a problem. And it sort of contributes much to even heart disease process. So think about what the body does. The body gets acidic because we're putting in too much acidic food. That's not an, that's not a, uh, an acid problem. That's a food problem. But we have this acidic food sitting here. The body will try to compensate by dumping calcium into that to try to make it a little bit more alkaline because it's too acidic. Where does calcium come from? Bones. And what happens to excess calcium in our body when it's floating around? It can deposit in where? Arteries. So we begin to see this this complex situation become very simple when you think about it. So it goes back to the standpoint of long term. And also, if we're not getting good acid production, we're not going to get good intrinsic factor production. We're going to lose B12. B12 is significant for brain. Uh, you know, sort of blood vessel formation. Blood vessels are important. Red blood cells for carrying oxygen. So again, we get into that area as well. Um, even with the idea, and this will blow your mind too as well, with, with mouthwash. I mean, do we really want to use mouthwash? That creates the same effect 
in our body with this inability to produce nitric oxide, which is an essential gas for, for life. And so you see this uh, quagmire of symptoms that develop because we think we're doing right, but we're not. And, and so, you know, short-term, fine. Long-term, absolutely not. And you can measure this if people want to know, like in blood work, we talked about measuring zonulin. Uh, if it increases, you're going to have good chances. You have what we'd call leaky gut or hyperpermeability membranes. Um, but you can measure something in the blood work called ADMA or asymmetric dimethyl arginine. And you can get that done. And if that's coming up, Without question, you're going to have stiff arteries and you're going to have a nitric oxide production deficiency. So, again, there's ways to do this if you think about it. But most of the time, if we just clean up our diet a little bit, things get a whole lot better. And proton pump inhibitors, the omeprazoles of the world, even Tums like that. Well, let's just hope that they get uh, where they're not buying them anymore. Maybe they'll go bankrupt one day. Yeah. Right. No. And because I I do think that that's something that's not, it seems like a harmless thing, you know, like again, temporarily fine, but long-term could create a lot of problems. Like most of the things that we've just accepted to be just, this is what we do. So a a question, you know, you brought up something and it it makes me think that maybe (laughs) you think the way I do and that we are spending, and I say we, meaning media, social media, you know, all that. We're spending a lot of time telling people to mask up, social distance, and get ready for a vaccine. But there's there are a lot of discussions that are not happening in regards to our health and, and preventative health. What would you like to see more discussions about? Well, of course, I, I get really bent out of shape when I know that we're leading discussions with fear. That is never good never good. We need to lead discussions with uh, awareness. That's a better way to, to phrase it. And, um, you know, being, you know, and I, I do, you know, I'm a, a Christian person and I, you know, I just, I don't want to get all into that, but the bottom line is I, I think that, you know, leading with faith over fear is, is, is very appropriate or leading with confidence over fear is even appropriate as well, no matter how a person believes. Um, but our system is wonderfully equipped Again, I believe it's created by the hand of God. Uh, and whether people believe that or not is irrelevant. But the bottom line is I think we can all agree the body's pretty amazing in the sense that we have this ability to fight. Um, social distancing, uh, people have existed for centuries uh, with the power of a hug. A hug produces um, a wonderful compound called oxytocin. When we don't hug, we're not going to be happy. People are designed to touch each other, and that's how we become happy. When we are with, with, withheld from that, as we know, people are going to die quicker because they strive for social connection. Um, when we look at masks, I figure that, you know, um, and, and I get the science and arguments behind it, but if we were designed to walk around with masks, we probably would have been born with this skin flap that popped up over <laughs> our nose and was attached by some sort of uh, mystical skin Velcro device that we could plop it down to to eat. Um, and, and again, I'm not anti-mask or not pro-mask, but if people want to wear it, that's fine. That's their choice and prerogative. Um, but ultimately, as we've seen, and this has got to be something that we got to deal with, and we got to really be honest about it. There are places that have, you know, been real strict about masks and social distancing and even social isolation. You're not seeing a reduction in cases. 
you know, compared to people that have it. And, and of course, then we get into this testing thing. And, you know, I think that we need to revisit that as well. Um, are PCR tests accurate or are they not? Um, what are you testing for? And just because something hits a piece of DNA, does that mean you're infected? And the answer is absolutely not. I mean, there's a difference between affected and infected. I mean, I may have, you know, coronavirus, for example, floating around in my nasal uh, on top of the, the, the barriers, my mucous membrane, and my body may say, screw you, you're not getting in today. And, and I could get a positive test. Does that mean I have coronavirus? Well, the answer is technically no, but it would depend on semantics, right? Um, am I a super carrier? You know, again, that gets me all weirded out a little bit too, because is that a good thing or bad thing? You know, we've got to really rethink this, Aaron. And, and I think that our perspectives have, they need to sort of go like this instead of like this. Right now, we're looking for people to be wrong. It's them and us and us and them. And it's this argumentative thing. And it it's just not getting us anywhere. We're not growing as a people. Vaccines aren't going to fix hostilities. Um, some people are anti-vax. Some people are pro-vax. And, and that's fine. Whatever you believe in this vaccine is new. I mean, we don't know what it's going to do. And, and, you know, I think that even, you know, in that discussion, we have to sort of step back, breathe, and begin to sort of hear every side and begin to allow people to make better decisions. Because one thing that, that my wife and I really insist on is, is this, this sort of uh, philosophy. When you live in fear, you're going to live in reactivity and you're probably going to make bad decisions. When you live in faith or confidence, you're probably going to live in response oriented world and you're probably going to make better decisions. So we need to begin to take it apart like that. And, and, and that would be what I would love to see. I would love for the people um, that are responding to this to, to sort of take that perspective, because I think that people today would respond to that better and would be able to process information better. And information needs to become more balanced. It doesn't need to become one-sided, like you get COVID, you're going to die. Stop it. That's not true. Uh, it's not a death sentence. I mean, with 600 plus thousand people dying every year in the United States of America, 600,000 of heart disease. My God, what are we doing about that? I want to fix all of that. And I do not like the way um, our world is treating its people. And we can do much better. A little bit of righteous indignation, if you will, part. <laughs> but um, we just need to take a, a better and more well-rounded approach, in, in my opinion, on all of these matters. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I agree. We don't talk about some of these other things as much as we are talking about this virus. And I again, I, I see all, I try to see all sides and try to understand where people are coming from, but it is really hard because just for me, I want to address the whole body health. You know, yeah. I want to address each person, like, what are you doing to take care of yourself today? Yeah. What are you doing to nourish yourself today? And that's not being talked about. It's all about like what, you know, what we we've got to do in the, in the temporary or who knows, maybe it's long-term, I don't know, but um, we need to look at, yeah, some of those more preventative things and, and going back to inflammation addressing because heart disease is also related to inflammation as well, isn't it? It is. I mean, you want to sort of think about heart disease in itself. It's about 
endothelial inflammation. The endothelium is sort of this, um, it does more than this, but to simplify it for our listeners, it's a protective barrier, if you will, to protect things from getting inside of the um, the, the the vessel walls. And if it's intact, like a shingled roof, uh, it works pretty well. But when the shingles come off and we're not allowing them to be replaced, they open the door for small particles to get in and that becomes a problem. And what, in this case, what causes shingles to get lifted up? It's the standard American diet slash lifestyle. So it really goes back to those things that we need to get fundamentally and foundationally correct again. And we need to revisit those things every single day. And that needs to be um, drawn across our airways with commercials. We need to be putting billboards on that. But instead, we're being brainwashed by uh, big pharma, you know, and, and all this stuff. And, and it's not solving the problem. The problem is foundational. And we have gotten so far away from that. And, and I'll say this, we have created an immunocompromised world. We did it. We did that. And we're not fixing it. The world is immunocompromised and it will continue to get more immunocompromised if we don't address it now. And that's the real pandemic, Aaron. That's what we got to get a hold of because no one's talking about that. And it just, it does set me off a little bit when I don't see the government talking about it. I don't see healthcare talking about it and I don't see churches talking about it. And it needs to stop right now. Leaders need to step up and be leaders, be leaders. And that means live it out. If a person's not doing it, you just exhausted or exempt yourself from being a leader, you know, because it, it, I, I can't listen to you anymore if you're not doing it. So we need leaders that are going to do this thing from a foundational standpoint and don't make excuses anymore. Bring about change by being a change agent. You're the person, everybody out there listening, you know, take your machete, go chop a new, a new box right now, make a new box because the box we're in is clearly the wrong box. We are too comfortable. And this has given us an opportunity perhaps to get out of the comfort zone. And that might be the best place we need to be because the comfort zone, and I like to say, is the, is the greatest prison one can find themselves in. For sure. And I think that we definitely have seen, you know, how a pandemic can make people a little bit more aware of their health. And I do see th- there are a lot of people I know who previously eh, didn't really care, didn't really yeah. do much, are, are making some changes. And I'm hoping that this is going to bring attention for everybody to, Hey, here's how we can restore our health. Here's how we can, because to your point, we're all (laughs) immunocompromised and Mm -hmm. it could be from, even if you eat a perfect diet, 100% of the time, well, we're still, we've got the environmental toxins, you know, we have our personal care products that are junking up our liver and detox pathways or whatever, you know? So it's like, there's always going to be something so we can just do the best we can <laughs> to get out of yeah. that comfort zone and try to make new changes. And I think that that's a really important message to share with people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think people would love to know, and I'll ask this question, what would be like a perfect or quote, I'm putting that in air quotes, like a yeah. perfect day of eating for you. Like what's your, what are some of your go-tos? What are your staples for, for food? Well, I mean, our plan is pretty simple. We believe in creating uh, good, small, consistent habits over time. You know, nothing earth shattering, you know, new diets. We tell our clients, don't diet. I don't care about your calories and don't do that. <laughs> I don't care about, you know, what workout you're doing. I don't, I don't give a rip. 
I just want you to do basic things. And so what, what my wife, uh, Dr. Michelle and I do is we'll get up every day and, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a cup of coffee unless you have an allergy to it. So we'll have a cup of coffee and we'll go to the gym. And, and then once we get back from the gym, um, you know, we'll, this is just us. We'll typically not eat a first meal for a while, you know, so we have a little bit of intermittent fasting just built in there. And then at lunchtime, we will always have a salad with olive oil. I like to put a little turmeric on there, a little organic turmeric powder. And um, sometimes uh, I might have a, a little bit of a protein on there, like a chicken or a fish or something like that. Not all the time. And then I'll typically have a protein following the guidelines I, I gave early. And I'll typically keep it by the size of my, my hand. You know, I don't, you don't want to overeat that. And then I'll have a vegetable with it, such as something of maybe a, I like cauliflower rice. That's kind of cool. It's kind of one of my, my go-tos um, or some broccoli or some spinach or some asparagus, something like that. And, and that's pretty much what we eat. And then um, we keep our water water intake up there and for dinner I'll typically have the same thing you know I don't veer too much away from that we typically eat a couple meals a day um we're older you know so as you know as you're younger there's nothing wrong with eating three meals a day just eat when you're hungry don't when you're not uh, that's the point uh, but then you want to cut off your food at least two to three hours before you go to sleep and if you just follow that basic guideline I mean it's it's not that hard. If I want snacks, I'll typically have um, maybe some nuts and seeds or something of that nature. Um, a piece of fruit is not a bad thing or some some vegetables that you can uh, crunch on like uh, celery or carrots or something in those lines. And uh, we just try to keep it pretty simple and, and don't overstress about it. And that works pretty good. Yeah, it sounds like a very nutrient dense way of eating, which yeah. I am all about getting the colors in, getting the veggies in, mm -hmm. because I notice it definitely has made a difference in how I function and my mental clarity. And I, I think if people could just learn maybe that these things aren't as hard as we make them out to be, that um, everybody would be eating this way, you know, but I think we, we overcomplicate nutrition. We do. That's a very key point. Don't look, nutrition is not hard. And this is, again, spoken, spoken. What comes in the mouth is important. What comes out of the mouth is also important. So don't do these following things. Don't say anymore, I am so addicted to carbs. I am so addicted to bread. I'm so addicted to sugar. Stop that. Because the more you speak it, you'll bring it to pass. I'm telling you, it's true. Instead, say, I absolutely love to eat multicolors. I like to eat like the rainbow. I enjoy fruits and vegetables. I enjoy eating healthy. I do pay attention every time I eat. I'm thinking about every time I eat, what kind of information am I giving my body? And if we'll just do those things, we'll find it. It's not that hard, really. And, um, you know, if you can work on those habits every day, like we just talked about, you know, and, and give it. I'm telling you, with nutrition, if the people give it about, because this is the hardest one, it can be for people because we've allowed ourselves to be paying that corner, you know, especially now we're in 2021. You know, we've done the New Year's resolutions. We've done the New Year's resolutions failures yeah, again. Right? <laughs> and we're, we bought our gym membership. We've had our remorse purchase. We're trying to get the remorse refund back, you know. <laughs> um, stop, you know, stop it. And just give yourself a 90-day window and say one day at a time, one decision at a time, one meal at a time, I'm going to wake up out of my coma and live consciously. Pay attention to your choices, every one of them, and just really um, take inventory of what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I'd love to give you a second, you know, cause we're quickly running out of time, but I'd love for you to, you, you have your books, you have your movies. If somebody is listening to this and you know, they really want to dive into everything you've been talking about. What would you say, like, what's your book that would be a great starting point for somebody, or you could talk about all of them too, but like, what would be like a great jump off place for somebody? Well, certainly, you know, our, our personal website is Sherwood.tv. That's real simple to go to. There's a bunch of resources you can download. There are videos and courses and blogs and all that. But one book, Start With Quest for Wellness, that, that's a simple little deal. Um, that, that's just, it, it teaches you every day to do something physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. Real simple, just little baby things, you know. And that is for everybody all the time. Wherever you are, there's a place for you in that book. I like that. Yeah. I, I, and I love how, again, you're incorporating all parts to health, not just the nutrition, although I could talk about the nutrition part all day long. I love it. Um, but yeah, I think it is important that we don't want to neglect these other areas because then we're out of balance and nobody wants to be out of balance. (laughs) We're out of whack enough right now. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you one last question that I love to ask my guests and that is, you know, this podcast is called sparking wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? Be confident in life, live life as an opportunity, you know, to not screw it up. You know, you get one shot at this thing, you know, if you want to live life whole, as the title says, and I love that, you know, you got to just learn to, um, really love self and try to, you know, make those decisions every day with confidence and boldness, realizing that and maybe cap- encapsulizing this, live today like it's your last one and live today like you'll live forever and just do that. You know, that's a lot of thought in that, but just do that. Live today like it's your last and like you live forever and you will definitely spark wholeness every day. Yes, that is. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on. And and you mentioned your website, Sherwood.tv, but you have another website as well that people could go out and check information, right? Yeah, our clinic is F as in functional, M as in medical, I as in institute, and then DR as in doctor, FMIDR.com. And again, that's our clinic. We treat people all around the world. We don't really have uh, barriers because we do a lot of telemedicine as we we call it today but um definitely just aaron just really grateful to be here and thankful for the opportunity and uh, very honored to be a part of uh, uh sparking wholeness it's great yeah thanks again for being on the show thanks for tuning in to sparking wholeness for more on all things related to nutrition for mind body and soul check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.